So welcome. We're in, as Pastor E said, a, a series that's called Doctrine. Um, a little series, but jam-packed with big words. And we're going to be in this series for about 15 weeks in total. So including the first, second, and this the third week of introduction to the series. And, you know, it might, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm doing it. It feels a bit long-winded. That is the introduction. But I do feel like it's vital. So here's me arguing with myself, like whatever. Um, <clears throat> so part three, introduction, looking at doctrine matters. Matters, if you like, especially last week and this week, matters of doctrine. Now, I wonder if you could just turn me down a little bit, please, in that mic. Now, there's only one name that can fright and at the same time delight me. Jesus Christ, say it politely. He swept out my house and made it tidy, then justified me. Now I'm innocent like Heidi. Now, some of you are going to have to Google Heidi, right? <laughs> Let me start again. Pastor, you remember this? There's only one name that can fright and at the same time delight me. Jesus Christ, say it politely. He swept out my house and made it tidy, then justified me. Now I'm innocent like Heidi, leaving out the things that's unsightly, holding Christ tightly, shining like a light bulb brightly. I have to praise the Lord even though he might slay me or smite me, but now I'm in Christ, it's unlikely. We try to keep the word of God seasoned, salted and spicy, like soul food prepared nicely. It's free, but it's pricey. That's why we have to handle it precisely. True workmen divide rightly. Like David in Psalm 1, we meditate daily, nightly. Don't take the word of God lightly. I tie it around my mind like a phylactery. Now, you probably have to Google that as well. Uh, forget my train of thought. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to me. <clears throat> now, why do I do that little rhyme? Well, particularly because it emphasizes this whole issue of God's word. So, would you join with me as I pray? Father, thank you for your word. Um, would you please help us to do exactly as mentioned, to keep your word and to present it seasoned, salted and spicy because it is good food, especially when it's prepared nicely. And it's free, but it's extremely pricey. Would you help us to handle it precisely <clears throat> as true workmen, Lord, and divide it rightly? Um, we ask this for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, I need to get down to the gym. Just one, like, one little 16 bars in a pastor E. Man, I'm up here panting. <clears throat> and trying to remember the lyrics as well. Boy, this is too complicated, man. Um, boy. Doctrine matters. Or matters of doctrine. We're going to kind of finish the headlines and we're going to kind of begin to now Look at the fine print or the small print. How many of you know small print is important? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like <clears throat> when you're getting a new contract or signing a contract, you don't have to be careful, right? Um, the headline is one thing, but don't forget the fine print. And with the headline, they always give you the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? They always make it look nice and shiny. <laughs> That's the headline, you know iPhone X. Notice they don't even bother with no um, unlimited calls, unlimited texts. Don't even bother with that. that that's, a, that's a standard, right? I remember back in the day, um, like unlimited calls and unlimited texts was, oh my gosh, like Mercury one to one. Remember, Pastor? Like, 
that was my, not, that, now they don't even mention it. Because it's standard, it's like you ain't even gonna sign a contract if it ain't got no unlimited calls, unlim unlimited texts. But the big thing, right, <clears throat> is the data. And I'm saying that's big, like 50 gigabytes of data. <laughs> right? <clears throat> you notice anytime you hear those adverts on the radio, especially if like, you're driving in a car, I notice this all the time because I listen to LBC a lot. And you hear an advert advertising something big and glossy and shiny, something that you want, like the iPhone, right? <clears throat> and you see it up the cover in it, you're like, oh, I come to church, like trying to get rid of my covetousness. I come to church and, and you're just encouraging my covetousness, Pastor Rob. <laughs> but you know, you listen to some adverts and they might not be iPhone. It's something else, right, that you desire. And, <clears throat> and you're listening carefully and they, and they give you all of this headline. And then all of a sudden they go into, it's regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, T's and C's apply. You ever hear that in an advert, right? Well, what does the T's and C's stand for? Terms and conditions. You know when you make an online purchase, they give you a little box. And when you come right to the end of the purchase, you've got to tick the box. And right next to it says, I have read the terms and the conditions. And then you click apply, right? <laughs> who, reads, who, who reads the terms and the conditions? But <laughs> Marina reads an actually believer. Harriet as well. <laughs> <Did you>? Okay. <laughs> Some of you guys. All right then. The lawyers. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Boy. <clears throat> um, but, but, but contracts. Very, very serious. How many of you guys heard of payday loans and, and what they're now calling doorstep loans? In The Guardian, <laughs> there was this big warning about, about these payday loans. You see a man like burdened by the, not just the loan, the loan would be enough, but look at the interest, like five times the loan. In The Guardian, it said, high interest doorstep loans need to be regulated, says a particular charity. Amen. And you know why? Citizens advice calls for curbs on home credit plans, which can charge interest rates of 1,557%. All right, my brother, the small print is important. And I'm saying, it's like, here's a definition the, for small print. The text in a formal agreement that is printed smaller than the rest of the text. Sometimes in the hope, notice, sometimes in the hope that it will not be noticed. Now, you might think, Pastor Rob, you came up with that definition. Mm -mm, not me. This is the formal definition in the New Cambridge English Dictionary. Sometimes in the hope, you know, the small text, that it will not be noticed. Why do you think it's small print? Well, it could be said that there are a lot of small print or small words in the Bible, right? Well, the question is like, what does all that fine print, what does all that small print say? You know, furthermore, what does it mean? We neglect the small print at our peril. That's why we're talking about doctrine, a little series of big words. Remember our definition? <clears throat> definition for doctrine is teaching or a body or collection of teaching. Jude further clarified it for us last week. He said, beloved, although I was eager to write to you about common salvation, one of the small print, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the big print, the faith, right? The headline that was once delivered for all, sorry, that was once for all delivered to the saints and then handed down. 
We're saying doctrine affects every single area of our life, our relationships, name it. There's nothing in life that's not affected by our doctrine. Now, slightly synonymously speaking, we define theology as a, as a formulated study of doctrine, right? Theology, right, is the study of God. In a sense, it's the study of doctrine or teaching. We also looked at... <clears throat> We also looked at some of the common doctrines that stand in contrast to biblical Christianity. It's by way of recap. Relativism, scientism, mysticism, liberalism. There was one ism that I never mentioned that I remembered and thought, you know what, we need to be reminded of this one. It's pluralism. Pluralism. And... Anybody define what pluralism is? All right, then, thank you. Someone said, all paths lead into heaven, you know. Here's a, a, a definition for pluralism, again, that I found very helpful. You ever seen this before? All of the different religious quote-unquote symbols, but it spells something. Can you see what it spells? Coexist. Symbol for Islam, Buddhism, the yin and the yang, science, you've got MC, e, e equals MC squared, Star of David. You've got that paganism sign. It's funny because that paganism sign is also a sign for what? Kind of emerging religion. It's, it's, a, it's an ankh, right? A-N-K-H, I believe it is. And it's, it's like Egyptology. You see them wearing them around their neck, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's a symbol of denial. It's, I think it's actually a symbol of reincar reincarnation. You know what I mean? I saw someone at work 25 years ago and said, oh, you're wearing an ankh. And they said, I said, they said, yeah. I said, do you know what it stands for? And they never knew. They just said, yeah, it's an Africa sign. And it was back in them days, back in them days when we used to rock them leather, them round leather things with the Africa on it. Do you remember coming to America? All right, with them little flat hats. I had one of them leather flat hats, you know. It's probably worth a fortune now. <laughs> Just with a rubbish dump, really, I suppose. Um, it's funny how this fashion comes and goes. Where was I? Yes, coexist, you know. Pluralism talks about all of these religions existing together. You know what I'm saying? And um, <clears throat> here's a definition of pluralism, really important. Religious pluralism is basically accepting that all religions are equal, they're valid, and ultimately lead to God? Big question mark. It is the coexistence of various religions and celebrating the presence of other religions, notice, without losing one's own identity. Now, how can this work? How can this work when most religions, not only are they different and distinct, they're mutually exclusive? Like people who look and, and make this statement have not read the fine print. Then they have not read the small print. Because if a religion, if you have religion A and religion B, how many of you know, by virtue of being A and B, they can't be the same. A is not A is A and B is B. A is not B and B is not A. You know what I'm saying? And 
I would argue, because I don't want to sound dogmatic in this sense, I would argue that, that people are free to choose whatever, they, whatever religion they want. You know what I'm saying? They're free to choose. Um, my encouragement is to read the fine print. <clears throat> and there is, you know, praise God, in, in at least this country at the moment, I say that in bold, underlined, in inverted commas, at the moment we have freedom of religion. Um, but to suggest these are all the same is absolutely ludicrous. You know what I'm saying? As my sister said, it's like all roads lead to Rome. No. And, and a bit like a pick and mix. And it's, that's pretty much the way the majority of individuals choose their religion. Like you would some sweets. And I say, oh, I fancy this one. Or, and, and change their mind and pick another one. I mean, I gave you my testimony last week about how that's where I was at. I submitted to a particular religion I knew nothing about. And then I was startled when I found out the truth about it, when I read the fine print. And I suppose maybe saying it's a pick and mix is an oversimplification because there are those that are pretty well thought through and yet hold to these particular doctrines. Um, and, and I think that's my point. Everybody subscribes to some sort of doctrine or another. You know what I'm saying? And... You know, there's a lot to choose from. Well, most of us sitting in this room are no different. I would argue that we submit to an ism too. You know what I'm saying? And we've been talking about the fact that it's evangelicalism, right? More specifically, conservative evangelicalism. We said that conservative means having a high view of what? Thank you. Doctrine or the Bible or scripture having a high view. If you have a high view, then you're going to read the fine print, like the, doc, the lawyers earlier with reference to contracts. And I'm saying if you have a high view, you're going, to, you're going to read the small print, you're going to be committed to finding out the detail. And, not only cons- and, 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 we, and we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 and the fact that that articulates the issue of um, conservatism with regards to the scriptures because First Corinthians 15 is scripture and we hold it in high regard and then not only do we hold the words in high regard but the meaning and looking at the meaning we saw that the gospel was fundamental with reference to primary things or of first importance if you know what I'm saying and if it's of first importance how I many of you know it's, it's, it's essential and it talks about the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and how that is um, to be central to our Christianity. So conservative in terms of the scriptures, hold them very dearly, and then evangelical meaning the gospel, which again is fundamental to our doctrine. Evangelical comes from the word evangel or gospel or the good news, and it's at the center with regards to all that relates to Christianity. <clears throat> so evangelicalism, if you like, that's us. It finds its emphasis in the gospel, right, which is fundamental to the whole Bible. Um, and can you see that a high view of scripture, looking at these verses, makes a high view of Jesus? Evangelicalism makes much of Jesus. And you must get it right on Jesus. Now, there are other essentials that form the foundations <clears throat> of evangelicalism. Um, and we touched on some of them, like the Trinity, 
the virgin birth, original sin, second coming of Christ, eternal judgment. There are some others like the five solas, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, sola Christo, sola dea gloria, all Latin for through scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. When it comes to salvation and Christianity, these are fundamentals. But there's much more that makes us distinct from other groups. Justification, adoption. Now these are some, actually all of the different doctrines that we're going to be looking at that make up the fine print. And we're going to be doing this over the next few weeks. The next week starting with justification. Justification. And so um, I'm hoping that some of you will grab a book. I notice that some of you have already grabbed the book. Praise the Lord. Um, praise the Lord, not just because if most of you pick up a book, we'll cover the cost. But um, like Pastor E says, we're hoping that this will actually contribute to being a real blessing to you. You know what I mean? Because you're interested in the fine print. And this is something that you can keep, you know what I'm saying? And just one of those books. You know you've got certain books on your bookshelf, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? They're kind of moth-eaten, and they're curled up at the edges, and they're special. They mean something. And in years to come, you pull that off the shelf, and not everything will come back to you, but there will be much that comes back to you as you look at that and reminisce. You know what I'm saying? Now, just a few more things before we, we can start looking at specific elements of doctrine. That is the fine print, right, before we kind of jump in next week. <clears throat> just a few more headlines. So, what about Bible doctrine? What about biblical doctrine? Okay, I did this just in case I never brought my book, but... What is it about biblical doctrine? Well, first of all, it's a body of truth handed down. Two, it finds its origination and explanation in the scriptures and is centered in the gospel. That is the good news. Remember Genesis 3.15? Good news ain't New Testament. It started way back in the garden when man fell. Thank God. What about biblical doctrine number three which is the point that i'm going to make now it's inspired of god and it's profitable so second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says some scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction i was wondering when someone was going to stop me you know what i mean all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, this word, or this phrase, breathed out. In another translation, it says, all scripture is inspired. And inspired as in it finds its source, or its origination, in God. Right? inspired in that sense but the word is actually better explained as it is in this translation breathed out or <sighs> expire as opposed to inspire inspire in the definition i gave previously but expire in that it's breathed out 
by God himself. It's his very words. Not some of scripture, all of it. Old and New Testament, all scripture. And it's profitable. That means it's helpful. It's advantageous. It's beneficial. And it's, and it's helpful, it's beneficial for teaching, which is our word, doctrine. And it's, it's helpful, it's beneficial for, for teaching or for doctrine with regards to a few different things. One, reproof. Right? Reproof. And reproof basically means to rebuke or to reprimand. It's to give somebody a telling off. Right? which is different to correction, right? It could sound like they're the same, but there's a difference. Correction isn't necessarily a rebuke, but it's what follows a rebuke, right? It's the why I rebuked you or why you rebuked me. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm going to show you how it should be versus how it shouldn't be, right? And, 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 and reproof and correction are like the kettle and water in that they both work together but they're not the same thing. And they're beneficial for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now, this is what you do initially, the training, so that you don't have to rebuke or correct. If executed well and received well, that is training in righteousness, right? it's, it's done well and it's received well, it minimizes the need for reproof and correction. But it also provides a context for reproof if necessary later on and correction like we do marriage counseling i'm saying so when somebody's going for a difficult time in their marriage we will also always refer back to oh, do, do, do you remember that time in, in marriage counseling you know what i mean oh, do, do you remember that time when you walked down the aisle not under duress you know what i'm saying like nobody forced you i never see nobody with your arm up your back frog marching you down the aisle you made your own decision and fundamentally what you did was you made a commitment to your spouse but fundamentally you made a vow before God. Like, maybe I just, maybe I just need to remind, remind you. You know what I'm saying? And so the teaching was done in righteousness and obviously there's been a little problem so you just, you, 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 you bring a gentle, if you like, rebuke and then there's the correction on the basis of the training in righteousness. You see how this all works together? And all for the purpose of making the man of God primarily, that phrase, man of God, kind of you see it replete throughout the Old Testament where it says, and God spoke to the man of God, or the man of God spoke and said. And I'm saying it kind of talks about the prophet. It speaks about the man of God, if you like. I mean, it's what it says, right? And in, in the context, it is a reference to the preacher, to the teacher, to the leader, primarily, but generally, it's to everybody. It's not just to the, to the men, like the, like the verse says, right? That the man of God. No, it's also to the, to the woman of God too. You know what I mean? I remember hearing Pastor E say, you know what I'm saying? A lot of what, a lot, most of, if not everything that you hear us teach, you know, you might be tempted to think, oh yeah, that's not for me. That's for the pastors. That's for the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, some of it specifically and primarily, fundamentally is, but most of it, you know what I'm saying, is for you. And, um, and, and it cuts both ways. So we say, you know what I'm saying, Whatever we teach is for those behind the pulpit as much as it is for those in front of the pulpit. You know what I'm saying? And, and the purpose is competency. 
in order that the individual may be competent. Another translation says, I love King James. Where's Harry? That the, that the man of God may be fully fitted and furnished. It's like, oi, bars, a library, jeez, poetry, King Jimmy, yo. And um, foot, uh, competent or equipped, as it were, for notice, every good work. There's another verse in scripture that says that um, God provides us with everything that pertains to life and godliness. The Lord provides it for us. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you feel like, even again, back, going back to marriage, my sister sitting in front of me. Some good encouragement for you with this, with this suntan, just come back. You know what I mean? It's like, now I forgot the, the encouragement that I was going to give. The suntan threw me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, you're like, before you get married, right? You know, you're like this, your knees are shaking. If you're anything like I was, anyway, before I got married. And, and there weren't no holy believers around me getting married and setting pace and 15, 20, 30 years, you know what I'm saying, married. And, and my mum and dad's marriage broke up when I was little. So there was no great example for me apart from Pastor E because I was at his wedding. But I mean, I think I did get married just before him. Much love, Josh. Thanks for last night, brother. Journey well, yeah, back to Manny. Um, but yeah, there was no great examples. But I'm saying... Um, for those of you that, before you get married, you know what I'm saying, you're kind of like, man, can I really do this? If you're, if you're, uh, this is how I felt. I was like, boy, Lord, I've made this, this, this decision, told everybody, invited all these guests. So, you know, you watch these films and you know the two people shouldn't get married. But you just think to yourself, it's drama now for the, for the woman to say, no, I can't marry you. I love, such, I love my man. You know what I'm saying? You can't all and pull up the whole wedding. You know what I'm saying? And do that. And that's how you, sometimes, I don't know if you, if you felt like that at the aisle, but I, at the aisle, a million thoughts run, I'm thinking like, boy, imagine like if I changed my mind, heartbeat, and I wonder if I changed my mind now, what are the implications? And you, and you work this, and, you know, and you, you're just shook to, do, to pull out now, anyway, you know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, here's my big point, oh my gosh, tangent, um, Bertram, bring me back, brother, Pastor E, help me, oh, I'm going to start drowning up here in a minute, um, um, my point is, my point is, you don't feel ready initially, even right up to standing on the, the starting line. But as soon as you step across the line, Denzel and Chloe, you know what I'm saying? As soon as you step up, God provides you with the grace that you need. That's why the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, there's enough drama in tomorrow to wait until tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? You've got enough to worry about now, but God will provide you with the grace that you need. All things that pertain to life and godliness, God provides for us. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, we should say amen to that. So that's number three. This is what's so important about doctrine. It's inspired of God and it's extremely profitable. Um, number four. Doctrine determines our eternal destiny. Second, Second Thessalonians, sorry, the text is a bit little. I just couldn't be asked to make more slides. I've got about 50 slides in the thing, so... And you know, going through them and making a transit, it's just long. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10 says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, says Paul, as he's writing to these believers. And he says brothers, but you know brothers is a catch-all. It's like, it's like mankind, right? It's, it's men and women. As is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for um, for one another is increasing. Now, there should be some encouragement and there's, there's correction right there in that verse and maybe a bit of rebuke, you know what I'm saying, and, and a little bit of tra- like training in righteousness in just in verse three. 
Verse 4, therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in all the afflictions that you are enduring. I mean, even though these believers are a proper walk in the walk, right? Verse 5, this is evidence of, notice, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Hmm that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Don't feel like what you're going through in the persecution, you know what I'm saying, like no one ain't watching. You know what I'm saying? God's like, I'm watching and I'm going to deal with this in time to come. Rest assured, you know what I'm saying, those that afflict you. But like we heard yesterday... uh, and I'm saying with regards to um, Operation Forgiveness, vengeance ain't mine as much as I want to take it sometimes. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, right? And, and trust me. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to worry. And it's funny, you meditate on stuff like that, that will help the balloon to go down, like we, heard, we saw yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Because the whole thing was, take a balloon and blow into the balloon. How do you feel when someone does you wrong? Angry. <gasps> and you're blowing to the balloon, bitter. And you blow and the balloon gets bigger. You know what I'm saying? When you meditate on stuff like this, seriously, like, wait a minute. Actually, God, is prom- God has promised to take care of anyone that's afflicted me unrighteously. You know what I'm saying? You meditate on that, that will begin to help you. You know what I mean? Um, Continuing on, verse 7, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as, as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Little words. How many of you know that's got a lot of, that's big meaning? Hmm. Inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance. You read Revelation, he's coming on a white horse and his robe is covered in blood. And he's got tattoos. That's why I can't hate on tattoos. He's got a tattoo running down his leg. So is it Lord of Lord and King of Kings or something identifying him, the, the, the word of God? Or, you know what I mean? It's like, that's going to be a scary time when, when he comes back in that sense, inflaming, inflicting vengeance on those, oh, not just on those who inflict on his beloved, but those who do not know God and on those who do not obey what? Remember, the gospel is synonymous it's one of them catch-all terms like the faith or the way. It describes the body of doctrine. The gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled, to be marveled at among all who have believed. Biblical doctrine determines the future and I mean like I'm just going to give you a few there are hundreds I'm saying we're just going to look at a few I think we're deliberating just among the eldership to do this series and then possibly at some point come back and deal with a whole next long list of things that we're not even touching and I'm saying like the trinity and I'm saying like eternal judgment and I'm saying like life after like there's, there's, there's just so many other things but but Lord help us and like I said I'm only giving you a few today why does biblical doctrine matter well number five it outlines our actions and patterns of behavior right 
first of all, going to kind of talk about what to do in terms of good patterns of behavior, then what not to do, right? The Bible's quite helpful and quite clear. And the Lord's so good in it. I mean, again, Pastor, he mentioned a little bit of what I'm going to read now earlier on in the announcements. Matthew 28. This is, anybody know what this particular portion of the Bible's called? The Great Commission. Thank you, Brother B. So it says, this is when Jesus has given his disciples the manifesto for his party, his kingdom, you know what I'm saying? And he says, now verse 16, now when the 11 disciples, excluding Judas, right, went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. That's one of the verses that really helped me just touch on the Trinity, even though we're not going to talk about it for about another year and a half. But um, this really helped me because when I first became a Christian, I was... I was, I was, still got my hand. I was, um, a part of my conversion story was such that for about, oh, I can't, I have to ask Helen because her memory is better than mine. But how I became a Christian was some Jehovah's Witnesses stopped me outside a Fulton Heath train station because I used to live in Fort, I had a flat in Fulton Heath. And Helen had a flat down at Old Kent Road. I'm going back to the 80s, right? And before we got married, we was just boyfriend and girlfriend. And I was, somebody gave me a, a, a track, but it was Jehovah's Witness. And about that time, the Harry Hanks from the London City Mission had been talking to Helen and talking to me about the gospel and the Bible. And I had a, I had a previous experience in Pentecostalism. You know, when you go to church, well, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're accosted, when you're taken to church under due risk. You know what I'm saying? That was my, my, my background. Yeah, all right, Afro-Caribbean, all right, you know the score. And back, so, so I had some inclination of Christianity, but now I'm kind of like, what is it really all about? And, and I met these Jehovah's Witnesses. And I, not only did I meet some Jehovah's Witnesses, I met this Jehovah's Witness brother I used to go to school with. So I'm like, boy, Peter, boy. I think his name was Peter. And my, like, and, I see my man outside in his suit, handing out tracks. Like, I'm like, why are you, like, why? Why are you taking it to such a level? Like, why? It's a bit extreme. And we started talking. Brother start coming around my yard. About six months, if not longer, every week. Like, yeah, I'll see you next week. And I'm like, okay, it's four o'clock, ding dong. And he'd come in and sit down and chat and eat food. And one day, I was sitting there, and I tell you, I was on the brink. You know what I'm saying? And Helen goes, Robert, you're going to become a Jehovah's Witness. And I was like, you know what? I think so. God, they know what they're talking about. I was convinced. And she went, I'll never become a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I remember that so specifically. And um, thank God that, you know, that, that, that we didn't. And um, why do I tell that story? Um, say again? The Trinity. Oh, boy, Lord, help me. What is wrong with me? Pastor, he wasn't it yesterday I said to you. You know what? I've, yeah. My only my only encouragement is that you got you're here. You know what I mean? If I think if it was as bad as maybe sometimes I feel it is, you would have voted with your feet. You know what I'm saying? So, and thank God it's not just me. You're not just subjected to the, the, my tyranny. You know what I'm saying? It's like thank God that it's. Oh, I nearly went off on another ton. <laughs> wow, Mikey P, the Trinity. So when I got, when I, be, say again, verse, so when I, be, come back to, so I, this is verse 17 now, right? When I became a Christian, 
after that experience that I just mentioned, I had to give you the backstory, right? You'll see what I mean in a minute. When I became a Christian and I'm in church, St. Mark's Kennington at the Oval, that's the first church that I started going to, right? And, um, and they, I see people worshiping Jesus. I was like, I don't know about this worshiping Jesus business. And you know why I felt like that? Because of the Jehovah's indoctrination, you know what I'm saying? It had, become, it had begun to take an effect on me. And it took me a minute, but this verse here is one of the verses that set me free. Because verse 17 says, his disciples, when they saw him, even though some of them doubted, they did what? They were, and I thought, whoa, it's there in the text. I didn't even know that I was evangelical. I didn't, I didn't even know that, sorry. I didn't even know I was conservative in my, in, in my doctrine. Well, I had a, had a high view of scripture and it impacted me to the point where that, that was no longer, I couldn't explain the Trinity, but I believed it. You know what I'm saying? And I could, I could see from the text that Jesus is God because I knew in Daniel, when, when the angel appeared to Daniel, you know what I'm saying? The angel said, bro, get up on your feet. In, in, you know what I'm saying? In various different parts, parts of the scripture, when you see angels appear, they always get up, don't, don't, I'm, I'm, don't worship me in the book of Revelation too. But, man bow down to Jesus and Jesus don't say nothing. And in my mind, surely Jesus knows better than the angels. And he don't say nothing. All right, then. That means he must receive it. Okay, then. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, notice, some authority on earth has been given to me. Okay, thank you. Not some. Not half. Not tempered. All authority. What? Just on earth. Or should I say just in heaven? No. In heaven and on... So you... Has been given to me, Jesus says. So you know whatever he says next. You say... Like he says jump, you say how high. Right. True? Yeah. Verse 18 and verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Ain't got time. Baptizing them, Pastor E. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Doing what? Verse 20. Stay on track. Verse 20. Doing what? And that's our word what? Thank you. That's our word doctrine. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So can you see how this isn't just for those disciples? Because how many of you know those disciples didn't live to the end of the age? This is to all disciples. How many of you know this is for us? All right, we ain't got time to meditate on that, but I'm just saying. The outlines for our actions and patterns of behavior. Now watch Paul, who wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't here in Matthew 28 to hear Jesus say this, right? Wasn't one of the 12. Um, But he had it passed on to him because of the faithful disciples, right? And speaking now, Paul, to his disciple, who is who? Timothy. He says this. He says, you, Timothy, however, have followed what? My what? My doctrine. My teaching, right? Can you see the, the continuation, right? And not just my teaching, but my conduct. Now, I read that and I'm like, Lord, help me. Our teaching is one thing. Seeing that 
which I'm teaching, actually live that in my life is another thing. And if you're anything like me, I'm sure you would say, you say amen, amen or oh me, right? He says, you followed my teaching and my conduct. And I think it's not, oh my gosh, you made a mistake, Jide. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't know if I can follow you as, a, as an example to me now you made a mistake. No, you know what I'm saying? Because we all make mistakes because we're all sinners. We're all fallible, you know what I mean? But it's, you know what I'm saying? There's something about your life as I take a step back and I see a consistency there. You know what I'm saying? Not just what you say, but the way you live your life. How you treat your wife. How you treat your husband. How you treat your children. Do you have respect for your parents? Do you, have, do you love your neighbor? As we'll come on to a little while. My conduct, my aim in life. Like you see, you see, like you see what motivates me, Timothy. You know what I'm saying? You see what, like, where my priorities lie. You know my faith. You know what I'm saying? You know my patience, my love, my step. You could go on, right? Doctrine, it outlines our actions and patterns of behavior. Okay, so that's, that's the what to do in terms of actions and behavior. How about what, what not to do? If I got this right. First Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 9. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient. And you use the law to bring that correction because the law is the word of God, right? For the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. And, and this is those outside the church, but it's also those inside the church, right? In terms of bringing correction. For those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, like man-stealers, right? Liars, perjurers, and, and notice, and whatever else is contrary to what? Not just doctrine, the body of teaching, but sound doctrine, sound teaching, because there's lots of teaching out there as we've discussed, right? In accordance with what? The glorious gospel. I tell you, when you begin to, when you begin to appreciate the centrality of the gospel, you know what I'm saying? You're going to start to see everywhere in your Bible. Obviously, in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, but obscured. But particularly in the New Testament, you continue to see this relationship with the gospel and doctrine. The gospel and the Lord. The gospel and the word of God. The gospel and truth. All of this is synonymous terms. The gospel of the blessed God with which I've been entrusted. Continuing with the theme of law slash lawlessness, as the case may be. Galatians, again, little writing, sorry. Galatians 6 says, starting at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the what? The law, right? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. And these are what we just talked about, those that deviate from the law or who are lawless. This is how it works out. The works of sexual immorality, again, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. You know, even as I read this list, 
like I said, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for reproof, for correction. Um, as, I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm being rebuked. I'm being corrected. This, the, this is the power of God. And I suspect as I read it, you hear those things come up. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Stri- now, some of them need some definition, right? I know. But strife don't. Jealousy don't. Fits of anger like Jason said, like one of the things about like what, the, like what makes you angry? He said, driving. Oh my gosh. You know what I'm saying? On your way home, hopefully this will come back to your remembrance. You know what I'm saying? Um, right? Dissensions, divisions, envy, dr- envy, you know, drunkenness. Drunkenness. It's all right to drink, but getting drunk and there's a question of well, where's the line? I'm saying that's why some choose not to drink, but it's not wrong to drink. But if you're getting lick, (laughs) how many of you know that's a problem? You know what I mean? That's a problem. He goes on, orgies, you know. Yo, does that one need defining? You want me to to define? No, you don't want me to define that one, right? And notice, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, we're talking about those things. To do, here are the things not to do. And then the contrast in terms of healthy actions with regards to patterns of behavior. Verse 22, this is the contrast to what we, I just read in those few verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is the stuff to emulate. Love, joy, peace, patience. <sighs> I'm reading it and I'm, and I'm hearing, again, when I'm... When I, when I, when I memorize this in King James, um, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I, there was a song, the fruit of the spirit is love. No, the wrong key. <laughs> Where's Raymond? Ding. Get me in the right key, bruv. Um, but anyway, when, when I first got saved, yeah, was it Lewisham? I can't even remember, but I remember walking past some guys giving out tracks and they had these cassette tapes, hey, that they were selling and the cassette tapes had verses of scripture to music, and they were the cheesiest songs you've ever heard in your life. But it was music to uh, it was one. It was music to my ears because I just got saved. You know what I'm saying? And then two, it helped me remember the fruit of the spirit. I've done it again. I've started too low, and I can't. The fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Right, that's that verse. And those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Biblical doctrine, what's so important about it? Number six, not only does it outline our actions and our behavior, it preserves the purity of the truth. This body of truth, the faith, the message, the body of doctrine. Galatians chapter 2, earlier, verse 4 to 5 says, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in. Yo, you got a penny them verse that, you know, like you have to meditate on like, huh? You got people that kind of creep into the church to bring about division. I remember when I first got saved. <laughs> I remember when I first got saved. I don't know if you was there, Pastor E. Um... Karen and Ian may have been there because we go back and I was just like six months in the Lord or whatever. And we was at this Bible study. I'm going to tell you, this Bible study was jumping. 
it was like it was all we could think about at the beginning of the week, like, like Friday to go to this Bible study, beer young people, because I was a young person back then, like Raymond, <laughs> if, believe it or not. Like, I was, I was in my early, like I was 21, 22, just got married and fresh, you know what I mean, but green, like grass. So we're in this Bible study, and literally, like, I don't, it wasn't even structured too tough, it was just the, all these young Christians just getting together to have fellowship. We didn't even know how to define what was happening, you know what I'm saying, but we were just having fellowship, and this was, I think this was actually before I met Pastor E and Pastor Patrick, and um, it was just when I tell you it was wonderful until these guys came in and when they came in they just come in and they just sat down at the back of the it was a it was I can't remember it was just a big room I remember and they just chilled never said nothing for the first the first few weeks but then like four or five weeks in started to ask questions like so have you you been baptized and then like my response was what of course I've been baptized how you mean man yeah definitely I got baptized straight after I got saved well that's good, man, but um, what name was you baptised in? And I was like, what do you mean? Now, remember, I'm green, like, I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? And now, it never rocked me to the point where I relinquished my faith, but some of the people in the Bible study got confused to the point where, bro, do you remember Samantha Riggs' brother, Kevin? And I'm saying, these guys came in, and they literally, and I'm saying, like, bamboozled a couple people to the point where they went off and then they caused, like that, the text that we read earlier, caused mad division, mad confusion in what was such a beautiful environment. You know and I'm saying, and I'm saying, it's like, there ain't nothing new under the sun. Well, I'm reading it here in Galatians 2 in the first century. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom, and that's exactly what they done. We were free and we had the liberty of the Lord. They come in and try and bind us up now with their false doctrine. You know what I'm saying? Trying to squeeze the life, the, the, the life out. Who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, notice how Paul responds. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment. I wish I could say that that was me back then. It was the grace of God that got me out of the madness. But Paul knew. He says, so that the truth of the gospel... Notice, you see, now they're, they're immediately juxtaposed. I said it before. This is the proof, right? That the truth... Already? The truth of the gospel. You see how they're just so closely linked and related might be preserved for you. Talking about the fact that doctrine matters because it preserves the purity of the truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, you know this one, right? Anybody know this one? I flashed it up there. I gave it away. I'm, listen, I remember when, like when, we used to start, when we used to try to memorize scripture, I remember me and a guy that he was my brethren in the post office. I won't call his name, but um, me and him, like we kind of got, when I got saved, he actually came with me to correct this mad church that we thought was taking my wife astray, leading her astray. Me and him went there to correct them and show them what's right. Remember, I don't know nothing about nothing, right? Remember? And, and both of us got, ended up getting saved that day. God saved us that day. Barling, running, eye water, Helen running makeup and nose naught. And we got saved that day. 
And me and him, right, we used to work together in a post office. And what we used to do is, when we used to go to work on a train, we'd say, all right, boom, I'm on a train. I'd be like, Emmanuel. I'd be like, right, 2 Timothy 2.15. And you better, you better be able to quote that. You know what I'm saying? And we'd go back and forth until we got off the train. Sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes half an hour, just back and forth. Second Timothy, John 3, uh, easy one, John 3, 16. You know what I'm saying? And we do that back and forth just to help each other to memorize scripture. I'm like, those of you that are young in the faith, do you do, you do that? I should have said, those of you that are old in the faith, do you do that? <laughs> do we do that? We need to get back to that. Who is it? Was, it? was it Sam or was it Zebedee who said that we should just get together sometimes for men's, Sam, and just read the Bible? And I'm saying, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny, and, and it's crazy how when you're in that place with the Lord, that excites you. What? We're, just, we're gonna get together and read the Bible. Yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it. Where's Paul? Daypa, that man like him, would be like, yeah, yeah, man, on it, I'm on it. It's funny. It's funny, amen. Thank you, Bertram. Do your best, 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best, you know. King James says, study. Like, commit yourself to... There it is. I took it off, didn't I? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. I'm saying, and you can't be approved if you don't know your thing. You know what I mean? Like we're doing interviews at the moment at London City Mission. And um, one of the things that we're looking for is, did the people do any homework on LCM? On the organization they're about to join? And it can be embarrassing sometimes when you ask that question and they're looking up in the sky, looking around for like, I don't know how, where they're looking for help. Maybe they're looking for some sign that's going to tell them about the organ. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what? But when you've done your homework, it shows. You know what I mean? But the one that we want to impress, as it were, is, is God. You know what I'm saying? Do your, do your best to present yourself. First of all, it's not even to prove that, ah, oh, man, I can quote scripture, you know, I can preach, you know. You know what I'm saying? Let me go up there, Pastor E. Like, when are you going to let me preach? You know what I mean? My man's ready, you know. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all right if fundamentally it's before God, you, you, you know what I'm saying, you're on it. Because it's not a bad thing to desire serving in the ministry and so on. Like in First, first Timothy 3 says that. And I'm saying, um, how, does it, how does it go? Somebody help me. Desire the office. Help me. Come on. Let's do this. It's like on the train now. Come on. Somebody help me. If you have to turn to the scripture. Right? It's something to do with an individual who desires to be a pastor, a leader. Somebody read it for me. All right, then. Thank you, Parson. Quick on the draw, you know. Or quick on the, on the app. Um, <laughs> I can't see no Bibles around. Um, get on with it, Robert. Get on with it. Um, do your best. Look, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And I would say that even big, big, to be able to rightly handle the word of truth starts off by just reading it. Just reading it. You might have read something this week that I've mentioned and you're like, oh my gosh, I was reading that this week. Just like Pastor E just mentioned, my sister's there nodding, like Pastor E mentioned the whole thing about that baptism and then boom, I come up, not having that conversation specifically about this morning, you know what I'm saying, and come up and mention that. It means, it means something. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's how you grow and you develop in your understanding. It starts off just by meditating in the word day and night. That man should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who will bring forth his fruit. He or she will bring forth their fruit in a season and their leaves will not wither. Who doesn't want to be that? Everything they put their hand to will prosper. What? Just by meditating on God's word. So, handling the word of truth. Number seven. Why does biblical doctrine matter? Because it pres- preserves the, the purity of the truth. But seven, it edifies believers, maintains unity, and brings stability. Now, who don't want that? Well, you ain't going to get it apart from doctrine. Ephesians 4 says, and he gave, that is Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought the work of the ministry was the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Oh, it's also for the saints. Oh, for building up the body of Christ. That's our job to help you, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. To the unity of the what? You see, this is that body of doctrine and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. Immature, right? Need your your nappy change every minute. Why don't nobody call me? You know what I'm saying? No one don't come and look for me. No one don't come and do It's all about me. What about, what, about, what, about, what about thinking about somebody else? What about serving somebody? What about going and finding out if this person wants something to eat or needs some shopping done? Or We're so selfish and self-conscious, you know what I'm saying, aren't we? That's our sinful proclivity. But God don't want us to be immature because look what happens to those who are immature. They're tossed to and fro, quoting the verses and reading this, and it's like, Never ever heard that before. Now that's all right if you've only been a Christian for six months or a year. I'll give you two years. But if you've been in the faith for five, 10, 15, 20 years, and this is new to you, it's a good thing that you're hearing it. Going through this series, doctrine series with us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you know, and it's a good reminder and a refresher, like first aid, isn't it? I've done the first aid course about 10 times. Please don't nobody collapse in here. I don't know what on earth to do. Can't remember nothing. Can't remember the acronym and the, which one is the... It doesn't matter how, how old you are and how mature, quote-unquote, you are. You still need refreshers. So hopefully this is even a refresher. And I was like, rah. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of what? Teaching. Doctrine by human, no, it's by human cunning. Like sometimes there's people like they're contriving doctrines, they may not think so, but like some mad scientists, they're coming up with these doctrines. I want to confuse you, concocted because so, a lot of it is by human, it's, 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 it's a spiritual spiritually people are spiritually influenced you know often like those who are really smart they get you to think right what they're suggesting is your idea and you walk away thinking yeah that's a good idea i think that that was a great idea not and the person's over there yeah i just brainwashed you like 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 
like Satan in the garden, the serpent in the garden with Eve. How is she going to grab that fruit and not in her mind think, this is, this is a great idea? Human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. This is, the con- this, is, this is what it means to be mature. Into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. You see, this is when the body's functioning properly. Every member, we're all parts to the body. And the body's functioning now so that we're running like Usain Bolt. The body is just every part doing its part like a $6 million man. You know what I'm saying? Every part functioning. Linda. Raymond on the keys you know what I'm saying it's like as I look around the room and I'm trying to look around the room and try you know I mean Mikey P you know what I mean out there sharing the gospel and Emmanuel on the on the on the on the, on the buttons it's, I'm like everybody you know what I'm saying functioning nicely Harriet said to me yesterday Pastor Rob boy we need some we need like the church needs some discipleship you know and I looked at her and I thought boy I thought to myself it, like my initial thought was oh man more work you know <laughs> For more work, I looked in my mind. Did you see it on my face, Harry? I just thought, Lord Jesus. And this time, like the, the, the little money that we got in the church, only one person can be full time, you know, on salary. Only one person is on salary. You know what I mean? Not even, not even on a proper salary. I'm like, more work, you know. But I'm encouraged as I read these verses. Because it's reminding me that it's not just down to Pastor E. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, Pastor E, he's, he's getting salary now. So, yeah. The expectations just went right up here, right up to the roof. I'm expecting this and that from you because, you know what I'm saying? But this says, from where I'm standing, he's doing his job. And this is why I reflected. I'm like, oh, Lord, man, I'm here. I'm, I'm like, it's like, it's hard work. Like, t- it's, it's in, I think it's in the end of Second Timothy where Paul says, only those who work hard at preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. You know what I'm saying? And, that's, and part of that is finance, right? And I'm like, it's hard work just doing the preaching and teaching, let alone trying to put this program together, trying to do TLG, trying to do barley loaves, trying to, trying to, but none of it functions fundamentally unless everybody is pitching in and getting involved you know what I mean? And a part of what we do, part of even what I'm trying to do now, encouraging, exhorting, correcting, rebuking, you know what I'm saying, empowering us to do is to do the work so that we are the body running like I described. You know what I'm saying? And functioning in a healthy manner and we got discipleship just off the rooftops, discipleship's going on. And it's not just one person or two people, everybody's doing it. And, and if I'm reading my Bible right, that's how discipleship's supposed to work. I, I, bec- I become a disciple. I'm like, okay, but you want me to go and disciple someone? For real? What, me? All I know is John 3.16. Good. That's all you need. Go teach them John 3.16, and between now and the next time you meet them next week, go and learn John 3.17. And you just keep it moving. In 10 years' time, you know the whole of John. Right? That's how it works. Paul would go to a particular place like Philippi and he'd, and he'd share the gospel. I'm not even joking. Share the gospel, five or six people get saved. 
two weeks later, he's like, right, you see, look, you, you lot got saved, and I've been spending bare time with you this, this, this past fortnight, right? Fortnite. As I said, Fortnite, I just thought about that game. Why did I think about that game, Fortnite, that everyone's playing? So I'm like, you see, that this past two weeks, I've been spending time and, and sharing with you and teaching you and helping you? Good. I'm leaving. You, you, and you are the pastors. You are the evangelists. Like, you now do the work of the ministry, and I'll see you in six months' time. That's how the churches were planted. And everybody starts to feel nervous. Right? Now, I think that's the big reason why many don't become disciples. Because you look at the thing, you look at it, you're like, rah. You look, you count the cost and you're like, it's too expensive. Not trying to spend that kind of time doing that. I've got better things to do with my time. And, and therein lies one of the challenges, right? So, verse 8. Verse 8. Number 8. And I think we're nearly done. Only two more left. Number 8. Doctrine is important because it's essential for our spiritual growth in Christ. And this one comes nicely on the heels of the last one. Hebrews chapter 6. On the back of Hebrews chapter 5. Paul, the writer of Hebrews. I don't think it was Paul. The writer of Hebrews is talking about Melchizedek. And he knows who he's writing to. I like who? Like what? Like Mel who? And he's talking, and Paul's like, he's like so excited about Melchizedek and, and he knows they're not getting it. And he's like, you know what? I'm excited about Melchizedek. I want to tell you about Melchizedek and how it relates to you and how wonderful it is. But I know you're not getting it. And he says, the time when you ought to be teaching others. And I'm saying, I'm still having to help you with the ABCs. I'm still having to help you with the fundamental, fundamentals of the doctrine of Christ. And this is where he picks up in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, therefore, let us leave the ABCs. Notice, the elementary what? So, there's a part of the doctrine that's basic, ABCs. Now, you have to think about where you're at as I read the ABCs. Because you might be like, boy, if that's the ABCs, boy. Man's still in his nappy, you know. Man ain't even started like nursery yet. If that's the AB, the elementary doctrine of Christ. And look, move on to maturity. You see the distinction? And he says, here's the ABCs. Not laying again the foundation, the ABCs of repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. Instruction about washings, number three. Doctrine of baptisms in another. The laying on of hands, number four. The resurrection of the dead, number five. And eternal judgment, number six. You see them six? Those six fine print mini doctrines. They're ABCs. And, and let, me, let me not be facetious, you know what I'm saying? Or bigoted or ignorant. You know what? I know what those things mean, but I couldn't, I couldn't communicate them at the drop of a hat. Okay, no problem. And I'm saying, all right, rather than me preach the message that I'm going to preach today, let me preach about the doctrine of baptisms and just be able to lay out, like, nicely. If I have some time, I could do that. You know what I mean? But I'm saying, for your, for, for your sake, I'm not trying to say, you should, be, you should be able to preach like Pastor E. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm saying and What I'm saying is, even this stuff here, I would have to go back and have a look at it's 
But if I go back and look at it, it's not like I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. You know what I'm saying? But is this stuff that you're familiar with? You know what I mean? Or like on a level, resurrection from the dead, would that be something that you really couldn't say anything about apart from, boy, I know Jesus rose from the dead. And I know at some point I think I'm going to raise from... I'm saying... And he goes on verse 3 and he says, this we will do, right, if God permits. That is, this, we will move from immaturity to maturity if God permits. And it's a bit like, you know when, you, when someone's building a house, you lay the foundation, and before you can lay the, first, the ground floor and then the first floor, they say, ah, oh, wait a minute, we need to inspect it. So somebody comes and they inspect it, and then they're like, great, you can now lay the next floor. The issue, the issue in here is, are we laying the foundations um, correctly to the point where we can move on to the next level? You know what I'm saying? It's like this doctrine thing safely. This, thing is, 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 this doctrine thing is serious. You know what I'm saying? In terms of just this moving forward. And again, without getting into the fine print, this is just, this, this don't make no sense. Number nine, let's finish. Number nine, doctrine is important because it is extensive in its effectiveness. It's just one verse, two verses. Acts 5, verse 27 and 28, it says, And when they brought them, this was the disciples are beginning to preach the gospel and share, and people are getting saved left, right, and center, but the scribes and the Pharisees don't like it. Verse 27, it says, When they had brought them, they set them before the council because they'd grabbed them up, they'd arrested them for preaching the gospel. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, with your teaching. Well, may we, like these disciples, fill all Lewisham as they did Jerusalem with biblical doctrine, right? Amen. Doctrine matters. Um, Father, thank you for um, your word. It evidently matters a lot. The fact that you gave it to us before we even opened the book. It means that it matters because you went to a lot of trouble in order to provide it for us. To breathe it out initially into through the prophets, the apostles, those who wrote this, the scriptures. But then also preserving it all of these years for us. And I'm so grateful, Lord, because we look back at your word and people are like, oh, look, it's been changed here, it's been changed there. And those changes, quote unquote, actually contribute to validifying the word that we have. Because we can compare what we have and then fundamentally land on what actually is. And I'm just so grateful for your word. And Father, can I confess that even as I'm standing here and as I'm sharing, teaching, instructing, rebuking, correcting, Lord, I'm being taught, I'm being rebuked and instructed, even as a leader, like the areas where I'm falling short and not being that man of God who should be fully fitted and furnished. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters wouldn't go away feeling like I've pointed a finger at them. But I'm reminded, Lord, I've got, I've got four fingers pointing back at me with regards to everything that's been mentioned. And yet, Lord, we thank you for each other. 
I thank you for the different gifts that we have just to see Jason yesterday and Mommy Sarah and Tayo standing up and sharing and, and helping and instructing and serving in the way that they were in conjunction with everyone, every other member of the team, Lord. So wonderful, Lord. We're so, we're so useless, yet you find use for us. In your hands, we're useful. Thank you, Lord, that we get the privilege of being co-laborers together with you. You're the one that really makes the difference in the work of the ministry. And Lord, I do pray, just like we, we heard from the, the lips of the Lord Jesus, that we're to go out in, into, the, into the world and share that gospel, that good news, that doctrine with others, Lord. Um, we ain't trying to save the whole world. We're not Superman. Um, we're not a super church. Look at us, Lord, we're a little bit. But by your grace, Lord, we're strong. And um, Lord, we might even be able to turn Lewisham upside down. And, it's, and it's, it's not at the fault of the gospel, Lord. Often it's our fault. Would you forgive us? Forgive us, Lord, for making everything else the priority. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean that when we make you the priority, nothing else matters. But what happens is everything falls into place. Everything finds its place. And we're able to attend to those things rightly, righteously, properly. And so, Lord, would you help us? Especially as we're going through this series on doctrine, looking at these specific words, Lord, the fine print. Lord, would you help us to understand not just the contract, quote unquote, but Lord, if anything, the contract that has been signed in the blood of Jesus for our benefit. It does us well just to, to be appreciative and look at the document that, that our salvation is based upon, that our redemption finds its origin. Lord, help us as we look at these matters of doctrine, I pray change us by virtue of your spirit in order that Lord we might be that body that is mature effective Lord and fundamentally faithful in Jesus name I pray Amen Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.